Hey, this is Bill Champlin. You're listening to Brutally Delicious, and uh, have a good day. Anyway, Bill, I won't keep you too long. I know you've got the whole day of stuff going on. So, um, yeah. Living for Love, first album, solo album in 10 years. Yeah. What was it like finally getting that out and why so long? Well, I just got busy doing other stuff. You know, I mean, you could just kind of go. And then there was always, a, well, maybe I should do a solo album. And then you go, well, the record business is kind of iffy at, this, at the moment. Why bother? You know, and then I've, I've at some point in the game, a couple of years back, maybe four years ago, I went through some some major upheaval in my life. I had uh, I had cancer. Oh wow! You know, real aggressive cancer. Got that got that behind me. I lost my son to cancer, my older son okay. Brad, and uh, it's just kind of put it put a different viewpoint on the world. You know, I mean, it's like somebody said, you said, well, you you're you're what you care about list become smaller and what you don't care about list becomes oh, sure. quite a bit larger right. you, know? you gotta prioritize yeah you start prioritizing and then and, you know i was kind of looked at the world a little differently and at some point i started writing you know writing stuff i mean we just done an album with Tamara and gary falcone called wonderground uh which we had wow. done a couple of years ago and uh and that was fine but it was i was kind of just sort of getting my production chops together right and then and then Tamara heard me do the song living for love actually i just was writing it on guitar and just kind of hanging out tv on real low and just uh kind of hanging out i played it for her. she said bill it's time you got to make another solo album so i mean she kind of kicked my butt a little bit i said yeah it's about time i mean there were some songs that were already sort of halfway recorded or you know just demo uh kind of kind of thing and I, I ended up you know fixing those up and uh, you know, I just went to work. It's weird because, you know, in some ways, the pan in most ways, the pandemic's a drag. But in this particular situation, it kind of kicked my ass to go to work because I, I couldn't do anything else. You know, right. so. Well, that was kind of what I was going to. One of my other questions was, what is it like having to release or write and release and do this whole album project thing in the middle of this crazy crap well i had no place to go and i've got a i've got a guest house and uh there's two basic two workstations in the guest house my son will's got his ableton rig mm -hmm. on one side of the room and i got pro tools rig on the other side of the room and i'm not a, i'm not a really great programmer or engineer or anything right. but i i got an I, I know enough to get guitars drums you know fake drums guitars uh pianos uh vocals down and then I then I just usually trade out the drummer, you know, I you know, get rid right. of the, the little machine and and put in real guys. So it ended up being pretty cool. And we That's ended cool. up getting some great I mean and a lot of a lot of really cool surprise happened. Surprises happened when I you know, I talked to Greg Matheson, he sent me three things to write. Mm -hmm. And they, they all turned out to be what is the word for it? Funkier than a three-day-old Band-Aid. I mean, they were... Or then it is, man, that's so funky. It move in next door, your lawn dies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was really cool. And then Bruce Geich sent uh, Reason to Believe. He sent what ended up being Reason to Believe. He sent this track. And I've written off and on with Bruce for years and years and years. I mean, uh, he's been in Nashville. We've been over here. And uh, and uh, he sent this track, and it was what I, what I really dug about it is George Hawkins was playing bass, and we lost George a couple of years ago to the C word once again. Right. 
And uh, I was just, you know, overjoyed to have a George have have a you know have a little bit of Hawkins, you know, in there. George and that really, ended up being the first single, right? Yeah, it ended up being the first single. The song ended up. I mean, Tamar and I listened to the. He sent me just a an MP3 of the uh, of the track just kind of ba the basic track, you know, it was a funky little mix and it was, I, we listened to it within eight bars. We were going, where's the pencil? Where's the paper? We got, we got to do nice. this. You know? Right. And we got it. We got it written within a couple of hours. When I was doing the final draft, I realized this thing's, this thing's really kind of about gratitude in a lot of ways. And, you know, Bruce had gone through some stuff and, uh, and Janie had helped him through a lot of stuff. And, and I'd gone through what I'd gone through and Tamara helped me through. And it kind of ended up being, even though Tamara was one of the writers, it, for me, I look at it, it was like uh, it was really gratitude to her for, for you know, getting me through those moments. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's a maudlin album by any means. There's, right. some, there's some great stuff on there. And there's some deep stuff that when I lost my son, it took me about two and a half, three years to write the song about it. And uh, that's on the record. It's pretty deep. Do you find that uh, writing this record was sort of cathartic after going mm -hmm. through all you went through? absolutely is what i needed to do i mean once again Tamara called it perfect she said, you you need to do this it's, you're you're kind of squirrely it's time for you to go to work and uh, <laughs> and you know it's funny there's never you know any and all the musicians i know that have studios or even workstations are doing the same thing i was doing right there's i can't go out and go on the road i can't right. do anything else might as well make music you know m make new music so it's kind of kicked everybody's ass into writing new stuff which is really kind of cool i think there's going to be more albums in 2021 than there were babies nine months after the new york blackout <laughs> you know? you're, you're right but, <laughs> but i think the music industry sort of has to reinvent itself a little bit now right because the whole old model is gone of release a record tour to promote yeah. it and do that whole scene, right? I don't know how this is, you have any idea how this is gonna come out or any projections? Uh, well, you know, uh, 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 Imagine Records, which is Bob Weingard's company, uh, Bob heard that I was doing a record. He said, let me hear it. So I sent him sent him a copy of it. Just, I think it was, I think it was mixed. I had done it, I hadn't, I don't think I'd mastered it yet, but I sent him kind of what I had of all the songs and he went, oh, I'm in, I'm in. And he said, but he really kind of wanted to, more than anything, wanted to just do the digit, you know, take care of all the digital stuff. Right. So, and that's him. He's got that down. Now I, I know a lot of people that really prefer having CDs mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or LPs for that matter. Yeah. Something that they can hang on to. Somebody said that in one of the interviews I did the other day, he said, well, you know, I talked to Alice Cooper. He says, I don't like to buy air. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I'm an old school like guy. Alan. Sounds like Alice. He's a good friend. He's a funny you know, guy's one of the funniest guys on the earth, man. I love him. That's great. I'm I, an old school guy if too. I'm putting out money, I want to hold on to something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing we're doing the uh the the album, uh the C D sales just at Billchamplin.com. Okay. And, Actually uh, we've we've had a yeah, we've had like a merch, like a merch, you know, forward slash shop. Right. And we've had a merch thing there and we're just going to sell those through, uh, sell CDs through that. I mean, we got, we're getting the CDs, I think next Tuesday. Oh, good. So, and the album's supposed to drop on the 22nd. So I think it's all timing wise. It's all going to, it's all coming together pretty well. Cool. Awesome. Before I go any further, Ashley, you got something? You know, you've been so invested in like putting this together this past year. Like is your wife working on anything by herself? Oh, she's, she's, she's crazy. She's, uh, she's as good a singer as I've, you know, I've ever heard. Yeah. Really. She just gets down in there. So, I mean, she sang backgrounds all the way through the record on all kinds of different songs. 
Awesome. Mainly because I needed that high note. My high falsetto ain't what it used to be. And, and you know, I just kind of went, I need to add a little fl- different flavor to the to the vocals. So Tamara's in there on on songwriting and on vocals all over the place. Uh, and and she's she's as good a songwriter as there is. She comes up with great stuff. Really. Women have a tendency to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no shit. Well, she's you know a lot of people go, oh yeah, right, yeah, your wife's yeah, your wife's working with you. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, I got that. It's like Yoko. I said no, 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 no. Hold it. Stop. <laughs> you know, everybody out of the pool. This this woman is unbelievably great. She's, yeah, you write music for you, not for other people, and it's great when other people like it, and especially when you're making music with someone that you love, like. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and our son Will, I mean, he's a he's a major piece of work. He was actually a finalist in one of the seasons of The Voice a couple of years back. Oh wow. Oh. Yeah. And, it, cool. and he, he tore the place apart. He you know, he was like the, the spoiler for many, many weeks in a row. I hated it. I had I went to the to the <laughs> sound stage like once a week and they they put all the uh the parents and family of the of the uh contestants, they put them in the area right where the air conditioner was for the whole building i mean it was like well now i know what it's like in the arctic (laughs) you know i started it wasn't you know this is la it doesn't get that cold but boy i did in that room i was bringing blankets and my you know camel hair overcoat (laughs) i'm not doing this again i was i walked out of there took you know it took a whole other week to deep you know defrost deep thaw out you know what i mean does your son get involved in the production at all? Your production, or is he a little bit? Not very, not that much. He's he's kind of an Ableton guy. Uh, this one I kind of went after by myself. I really wanted I wanted to point musically, especially I wanted to really point it in the direction it goes. There are certain th- every once in a while he'll do. A, I'll ask him to do a little synth move or something. So uh, he was he was he's always there. He's a real supportive. Uh, guy, I mean, he's he, he always says, "Dad, your stuff sort of like Steely Swamp." <laughs> Which is nice. Is pretty nice. He said, "Well, it's kind of nailed it down, I guess." You know, his stuff is is great. He's way further into into uh, programming than I am. He's, yeah. he's so my, deep my son is an Ableton guy too, and he actually is a uh, um, he's majoring over at Shenandoah University in music production and and that sort of thing. And that's what he loves to do as well. But yeah, he's an Ableton I mean, freak. Yeah, the Ableton stuff. I mean, once you get into it, I mean, I'm going, well, you know, hey, it could have been worse. Could have been drugs. Thank God we don't have that going on. In the end, Bill, though, I think, and I mean, I guess you're old school like me, but I think the live instruments and the whole live performance of banging things off each other makes things so much more organic, though, right? Uh, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and, and this wasn't kind of done that way because we couldn't. Right. So no, 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 a- I get that. And I've done I've done records, you know, over the thing. I'm like, for instance, we had uh, on the second song, especially me. It's a Greg Matheson track. I was looking to get a horn section on it and this, that, and the other thing. And finally, I went, you know, I'm just going to send this to Mark Russo, who's a Doobie Brothers sax player, mm-hmm. and he he was in the I think one of the very first versions of Yellow Jackets. He's a major piece of work, right? Monstrous, monstrous musician, great player. And I sent it to him, and he he stacked. He put one baritone, two tenors, and two altos on the song and just tore it up. And then on a song later in the record, he just played an alto solo, a couple of fills, a solo. And then I gave him the whole tag. I said, this is yours. Right. And that's when, the, that's when the plot pretty much sickened. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, when you get a player like, like that for sure. Whoa, this guy's amazing. I just, you know, there's certain points right toward the end of the tag where he just lets it fly and just going, holy shnikes, this guy's amazing. <laughs> right. You know, 
he played with the Suns for a while. We we always had a ball hanging together. He's a really good friend. So well, I mean, and that's kind of what happened. I had Lenny Castro, who's a you know he plays with Joe Bonamassa. Played with Toto for years and years. He did all the percussion on the record, top to bottom. He's just nice. Major, major so I'm gonna, cat. You Real mentioned sweet. Toto. You mentioned Toto, and I was going to ask you anyway, but. I don't know if uh, Steve Lukather played on this record, but he's one of my yeah. favorite players. I think he's very underrated, one of my favorite players of all time. But what's it like working with him? Oh, it's, I've I've been working with Steve basically. I think the first time I was I was actually it was one of Foster's David Foster's very first productions. And Steve was hanging out, and we went and did some background vocals. I think he was eighteen. Oh wow! It was bef- long before Toto's first record came out. He was just this kid that was coming up, and Foster was telling me, he said, "Watch this guy playing guitar." What so, a player! I, I've had Steve on on my records over the years quite a bit, you know. And he's, you know, he and I and Jay Graydon co-wrote "Turn Your Love Around" for George Benson. So, oh wow, we share a Grammy, which is kind of cool. That's and, amazing, uh, yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's ridiculous. I mean, with many many e's, ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he's just one of the best one of the best guitar players on the earth. And and uh, it's turned out to be quite the band leader and actually quite the band manager. I mean, he really he sort of single handedly brought Toto back into the ball game because they were kind of hanging out there. At least in the United States, they weren't playing really big gigs. There was a right. period where it wasn't really going on. But they got Joseph into the into the band, and Joseph's a good singer good writer, a uh, good programmer, you know, he's really good at it. So they, they kind of brought the, brought it all together and made it all really happen. And they're, they're just great. I mean, and, and Luke's, right. Luke's ridiculous. Yeah. Too bad he doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> did, you, did, you ever, did you ever see that there, there was a thing where he was, uh, the, the people next door to his house started doing leaf blowers at about 6.30 or 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Every morning, and he was just going, "What is the story? How many leaves can fall?" You know what I mean. <laughs> Every morning, he's got this whole machine going. So he takes his Marshall, puts it outside, and just you see him in his pajamas, just playing at the at you know breakneck speed, you know, and cranking nice. off a big solo thing, and, and finally he just yells, "Good morning!" <laughs> <laughs> he got over and nicely asked him to shut it shut it down, but they wouldn't do it. So it's like, okay, you want to play that game? I right. got a way louder machine than a leaf blower. Um, what do you have planned for? I mean, I guess maybe you can't plan with everything going on. But what is on your agenda for 2021? After the I want to play live. I want to take this out live, and you know, and I'm I'm kind of known for other songs that I've sung over the years. A couple of Chicago songs that I was singing on, and uh, you know, we pl- you know we'll learn those. We'll learn any of the. I got a few songwriting things I did with George Benson and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, I I pl- always play those live. So I mean, it's, when I go out live, it's not going to just be the new album. We're going to play the whole new album. Right. Uh, have you thought hit- about doing the virtual thing, like the the virtual streaming, like bands have been adopting pretty? Yeah, quickly. you know, it, it, you see that you see everybody in their own little square, and I always expect to hear, "Here's a story about a man named Brady." <laughs> <laughs> right and, but but i i realized you know i'm not putting anybody down for doing it i haven't really done it. I mean, i've done one or two things where i was where uh there was a benefit for uh for kids or something that uh right. that the mayor of los angeles put together and I, I figured out how to do it will help me through the zoom thing i'm, I'm a little more adept at zoom at this point because i've done things like this I, I wouldn't know how to generate a zoom but i know how to how to you know come in on your meeting <laughs> right. Works pretty good. right but uh you know, I mean, my my technology stopped with two orange juice cans and a long piece of string. You know, there's, <laughs> right. 
there's your there's your simple telephone you know what i mean yep so but anyway uh yeah i i really want the more than anything at this point of the game especially when we got we got shauna o'donnell involved and shauna's amazing she's got me she's great talking and, yeah she's real sweetie pie i was i was so and you know when i when i signed with uh with uh imagine records he said well we'll get you a publicist and i said well i know a few he's just wait till you check this person out and she's yeah. just great i've been working with her for 15 years or more now and she's been awesome all the way through oh she's on a she's on a roll and you know she says hey every you know she's she said you actually do what i tell you to do <laughs> and show up on time she says some of the younger bands don't quite get that dude press and visibility and those things are the only thing that you got at this point in the game. So it's funny um, you said that because it's funny you said yeah. that because we had we had an eleven o'clock this morning with a uh, really big European band and we waited till eleven thirty. No show. Publicists can't find them. Yeah, yeah. well, it can happen. You know, I mean, there, there's always there's, there can be things that happen, but I try. You know, I mean, I'm sort of at this point in the game, I'm built around trying to do this record and i've you know i've always been one of those guys that i've done a handful of solo records by myself and right different situations and and i just kind of take them and throw them at the wall and this time i'm going this thing really deserves to be heard and and there's a lot of stuff on it i kind of somewhere when i started this record i kind of re i read somewhere it says if it's not personal it's not art and uh, i put my heart and soul and balls into this thing as much as i could and if you know, I, I played it for a for a, it was a guy who was an A and R guy on my last solo album, and he was flipping. He just, I sent him a, a SoundCloud uh, right. link, and he was just crazy. He was just That's like, great. "This is unbelievable. This is this is kind of what the world needs right now." Because nobody's touching. You know, this six foot. I think you know we talk about you know going going virtual all the time, but this six six feet social distancing that we're doing that I think is more dangerous than anything, especially yeah. for kids. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where's the, uh, you know, where's, we need to have, you know, like my, my Will's, Will's daughter, uh, Harper, she's, she does Irish dancing and she's really good at it. So she's, they've been kicking her up, you know, and then, the, then this thing happens. So she's doing virtual school, but she's also going to, to the, you know, wearing masks and, you know, hand sanitizer and she's going to these things and she's getting a certain amount of hang with other kids. I can't imagine going, you know, being eight or nine years old and not having any yeah. children to hang with. I mean, that's this just got to be just ridiculous, you know. Yep. So it's 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 not. I mean, I believe me, I understand that the the pandemic's a drag. Our son tested positive. Will do, but he's uh, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I'm and being careful is all that. But uh, there's a lot of things to that that are coming down that are really a drag i mean just just you know nobody's there's no touch and i was going well try to touch people with the music if at some level maybe because that, maybe that's the only thing we got at this point right. in the game is, is it because you know the whole culture it's what's kept the culture going what keeps it moving is not allowed at the moment and it's right. pretty crazy yeah well, it feels also, like a lot of effort i'll also be honest with you i mean I don't know whether where it's going to go, but music is the thing that has gotten me through life pretty much. You know, all those trouble spots like we're in now. Music is the thing that connects you to everything, right? And keeps you moving. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what, that's one of the reasons why, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we all do what we can. You know, I'm going to write a song that's going to save the world. Well, I, you know, I might have thought that when I was younger, but I know that's not true. It ain't going to happen. 
But if it if somebody hears something in what I've written and it connects with them, it's a success. It's a yeah. you know, and the more the more chances you have of doing that. It's like the more ch- the more you you know the more you practice your craft, the better chance of art coming through. Do you think this is your most favorite one? Your most favorite album? Well, at the moment, you know, somebody said one time, you know, one asked, what are the three best songs ever written? And the guy said, well, let me see. Amazing Grace, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and the song I wrote this morning. Right. (laughs) The one he most connected to. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so at the moment, I mean, maybe my next album I'll be more happy with. But I don't... I think, you know, I'm starting to think about what to do on the next album. And I, and I, I produce pretty seriously on, on, on records. But the next one, I might just really go to a real cut down thing. It's just piano, uh, you know, Fender bass, drums and vocal. Nice. And see, see what happens with that. Because I've never done that. I've always, you know, packed it up, filled it up with really good things. So I'm, I'm kind of, it's sort of interesting me to try to say well now you need to write something where the backgrounds aren't necessary for the chorus you know what i mean yeah so i'm gonna let you go in a second but i think that's interesting too because sometimes the more stripped down stuff connects even better does that make sense right yeah i mean at some level you have i mean uh, less the old less is more means a lot at some level i mean i really like packing it up because i play the guitar and i play the keyboards and i find myself in there i'm i'm kind of primarily known as a hammond organ player so i can put a lot of organ on stuff and and then you know the more stuff you do the less the less volume you can get out of each one of them so uh and that and that's really kind of the challenge of making records at this point when you're producing at that level if you if you're in there with just a small group and singing, you can maybe go direct to two track, you know, and and there's your there's your there's your song. Uh, way easier, I'll tell you. That. Oh yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Good luck Bruce, with the record, and stay safe, my friend. Thank you, my friend Ashley. Thank you. Go hang out with <laughs> go hang out with the kids. <laughs> no, I I've locked myself in the car now, so <laughs> I'm, I'm digging it. Thanks, you guys. It's, stay uh, safe, really, Phil. Thank you. Really appreciate <laughs> it. I know. Bye-bye. Be good. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.